Hello there and welcome to a brand new and special episode of the Sports Pro podcast. My name is George Breer. I'm head of events content here at Sports Pro. And as ever, but under the bright, shiny lights of Sports Pro Madrid, I'm joined by Tom Bassam, Sports Pro's off platform editor. Tom, it's good to see you. Good to see you too, mate. I can see a lot of you as well. It is very bright. We're in the studio, tucked away in uh, in the depths of Sports Pro Madrid, um, surrounded by studio lights, unsurprisingly. But um we found a little bit of a quiet spot to talk about who I was talking to earlier. Exactly. Well, I was going to ask, has your heart rate subsided? Has your, uh, your, the intellectual challenge that is on stage moderating, you know, got you G'd up? How are you feeling post-session? Uh, yeah, my heart rate's definitely slowed, slowed down a bit now. Um, it's, the, it's not so much like the, the intellectual bit kicks in after a little while. It's, it's more like the cognitive stuff to start with, like holding the microphone steady and holding my uh, holding my uh, tablet steady. We all know the fear, we know the pain. Yeah, it's a, it's, yeah, it's a physical as well as mental challenge. I know, and uh, it's good that we've been training so hard, you know, in the lead up to the event. You know, I know you did the 5K this morning, so uh, you really are putting your body through the ringer on a day like today. That's what it's all about. You've got to go hard or go home when it comes to Sports Pro Madrid. I'm glad to see you're not anywhere close to going home. I was also, you know, a little, um, I, was a little I almost didn't recognise you this morning, dressed up so smart, ready uh, ready to wow the delegates on stage. It's fantastic to see it. Well, someone has to, George. Yeah, like a Charles Tyrant advert. Anyway, uh, let's start talking. <laughs> Just uh, the guy who looks like he's repping for QZIP Weekly. <laughs> Well, you know, if they if they want to sponsor the pod, <laughs> they're more than welcome to. Anyway, let's talk about your on-stage session. So you sat down earlier with Ben Morel, the CEO of LFP Media. In fact, why should I be taking words out of the horse's mouth? Who is Ben Morel and what is LFP Media? So LFP run the top two professional tiers of football in France. LFP Media is their new commercial subsidiary, so that manages their media rights, sponsorship, basically the things that those two leagues sell to the industry by side. And Bemarel is the CEO of that business. That business also has a significant stake in it, which is owned by CVC Capital Partners, the private equity firm, which has got lots and lots of sports investments. They own 13% of that, which they acquired in a deal which valued LFP Media, which was then just a commercial entity without a name, at 11.5 billion euros. And they paid 1.5 billion euros for that stake. Well, I know we have a global audience, Tom, much the chagrin of the Streamtime podcast. What pod? <laughs> for, for those maybe across the world that might not be as familiar with European politics and in particular European politics and sport, setting up a commercial subsidiary of a governing body is not, you know, the most simple thing, right? And it's actually fairly recently that the French Assembly approved the bill allowing the LFP to do so. It was a wonderful bit of story time we had at the beginning of your session as you ran us through essentially how we've got to where we are. And given the LFP's newsworthy elements, or LFP media's newsworthy elements, which we will come to in a minute. So how did we get here, Tom? I always feel when you're doing these kind of sessions that sometimes you can talk about things and the room doesn't quite get the, the backstory. And like, it's important to have that context, right? So I, what I wanted to do in the first kind of five, 10 minutes of this session was just provide that without kind of wasting too much of Ben's time because he's there to like to kind of provide the kind of insight that I can't provide. So if I can do that, he doesn't have to. So the journey of how we got here was a few years ago now amid the kind of pandemic, Liga Liga LFP decided that they wanted to create this commercial subsidiary, but that wasn't at the time something that you could do in France. It's a quirk of French regulation. And I mean, the regulations across Europe are different on this subject. So they approved that in December 2020, 2021. I don't think that they'd have made that move without the idea that 
a few months down the line, the French government was going to like say, you can't do that. Lo and behold, a few months down the line, the French government says, yeah, that's absolutely fine. You guys go ahead. There have been some other reforms that the LFP have been through since then. They reduced the size of Ligue 1 from 20 teams to 18 teams. That was for the start of this season. They formally announced the creation of this commercial subsidiary, they being LFP. CVC did that deal, as I mentioned before, to buy into it. That was April 2022. Then in March 2023, Ben joined from his previous role as CEO of the Six Nations. Formerly a guest on the Sportsbook podcast. Formerly a guest on the Sportsbook. Great episode as well. Yeah. Go back into the archives and listen to that one. Yeah, he started his role with that. A few other people were joining at the same time from various different media businesses to really kind of turn French football essentially into a proper media business, which it has had struggles with before, which we discussed in the session. And then September 2023 is when kind of this story starts, when the domestic media rights tender went out. And then a month or so later, the international media rights tender went out too. The tender went out? Mm-hmm. What happened? Well, <laughs> the tender went out with what Ben explained, and I think this is quite interesting regardless of the fact of what what's to come so we went out with these much more simplified packages than what we've currently got in um, in Liga. so Liga at the moment is split between uh, canal plus and amazon prime video for who has what matches what the idea was they created two packages for this tender and the idea was that it was going to be very simplified so that consumers would know like, exactly where they could watch Liga and lead the games when they wanted to unfortunately what happened was that the tender went out and they didn't quite get the commercial interest that they were after. Uh, dramatically, Canal Plus said that they weren't going to bother bidding. Uh, that was a major shock because they'd been broadcasting Liga for decades. Not just a shock that they didn't go in for the rights, but... That they announced it publicly. They announced it, yeah, just yeah. really put their cards straight on the table. And Ben himself in the session said it was an incredibly unusual move. Yeah, but then also at the same time, and this is something that he hinted at rather than speaking too directly was that they may well be involved in some way, but they weren't going to try to acquire them in the first place. But what happened was that the tender went out and ultimately they didn't get the bids that they wanted. So they've now entered and they're still in private negotiations with a number of broadcasters, which weren't disclosed. But I mean, you can probably make a guess at, a guess at who that might be. Uh, and if you want to have a look at the uh, the French, an overview of the French media market, I did this in the session, but uh, Sports Pro Plus, wonderful media hub. This has been all compiled by our technology editor, Steve McCaskill, who's put together a wonderful overview of the French market and some of the key properties and how the makeup of that works. So you spoke to Ben for, I think it was about half an hour. What were some of your favourite moments from the session? I think what Ben was really trying to get across was this idea that Liga and French football is trying to become and this should be quite obvious from the moves that they've made, a better business. It hasn't really figured out previously what its place in the market is. And he talked about this, like they are a league that has traditionally created stars, but then they've all left. They've gone because there's not enough money in the French league to keep them around. And one of the things they really want to do is increase those revenues, basically to make sure that Liga retains its talent and it doesn't become just a, just a hotbed for the other big four leagues in Europe to handpick the players that it wants from. The way that they're trying to do that is by this modernisation of the business. So I, th- I think one of the things that was really striking was he talked about how much money they get for their international media rights and admitted that it's pittance. And I mean, it's not really an admission when you're when it's a bold statement of fact, but... It's 10%, right? Yeah. Just over 10% of the overall, in fact, exactly 10% almost of the overall rights package for domestic and international. And compared to... The Premier League, which is what, 50-50? Just over 50-50? Yeah, just over 50 I mean, the Premier League is in a class all of its own, but just in terms of the actual top line figure, the reported number is 70 million euros, which is 
far, far below even what the likes of Serie A, which is the next one on the rung, gets from its international rights. And the thing that was kind of most, I think, striking to me when Ben was talking about this was basically they're going to try and put that money into the hands of the big clubs so that those big clubs can, one, keep their talent, two, increase their standing and improve their standing in Europe. And this is like a direct strategy. They're not trying to hide this fact. They're not trying to backdoor create a big like a, a number of big clubs in the league they're being very very open and honest about the fact that they want to make sure that their big clubs are able to compete with others around europe and they're giving them a much bigger cut of their international rights at the moment that cut is a much bigger cut of a smaller overall pot but by the end of this process and this was something that he explained this is a long-term process the idea is that they will be able to reach that point and they will be able to compete with those other European leagues, having empowered those big clubs financially. And by the big clubs, I mean the big clubs playing regularly in European competition. Well, Tom, it's always good to hear your take on the issues that matter underneath LFP media. But I know you spent the first part of that session running through, as we just have there, you know, how we've got to where we are, the journey of LFP media as an organisation from its inception to where we are now. And in particular, that look at the French broadcast market really is a, a very interesting overview. You kind of then went on to, to talk about the hot topic of the day, the one that's getting all of the newspaper inches, which is the LFP struggles selling its media rights package. Should we hear from Ben as to what he had to say on that? Absolutely. You've joined, in, you've joined earlier this year. You took these packages to market. You didn't get the response that you want. What are your, like, what's the short-term priorities now for LFP media? Yes, at the end of the day, given the complexity of the market and the various situation that we had with some of our existing broadcasters, the fact that we end up here is, for some people, predictable. At the same time, I think we were really looking at something that made a lot of sense based on pricing that were of previous cycles. You know, it's disappointing that we couldn't sell at that particular stage, but we now, you know, continuing with over half a dozen broadcasters interested in the rights, which is the paradox of the whole thing, and we are, you know, actively working on with private discussions to make sense of it all for the large live rights to the highlights packages and magazines. So we're in the middle of it, notwithstanding the fact that we're also selling our international rights at the same time. So it's, yeah, it's a busy period, but I'm happy to be here today. We've kind of gone over a little bit some of the challenging conditions that you guys face going to market in France. I don't think kind of everyone here completely understands some of those small quirks really to that market. Can you maybe talk me through some of them? Yeah, I mean, it's partly why I joined as well and made it a very interesting challenge. The reason I was so excited by the opportunity is that as the sort of French football, we want to be on the podium of European leagues, call it global leagues. That's our ambition. We want to get there from a sporting standpoint to a financial standpoint by the end of the decade. And we believe we've got a really serious chance of doing that. That's our ambition. That's our goal before the end of the decade. And we believe that football in France is definitely one of the best football in the world, if not the best, based on the level of raw talent that we have and at the same time, the level of academy that is second to none, really. But our football club is not yet at that level as the charts we saw earlier on. But we believe we've got a chance and we believe we'll do that by really working on the product and really working on the fan experience. And while we're having all those short-term conversations, we've got the longer-term vision that will help us get there. And we need partners that believe in that vision and will accelerate our path towards it. In terms of like finding receptiveness to that, to that vision, like 
the, the, the French the French media landscape, as we sort of looked through on those slides there, like what about it in particular makes you think that what you're what you're trying to do and the changes you're trying to make at LFP Media will work? Well, again, we're starting from a very sort of good foundations in the sense that we are the number one by far spectacle in France. And so we believe that that is a key factor. At the same time, the market dynamics based on, you know, we had the media pro crisis, we had the stop of our championship around the same time with COVID, we had the arrival of Amazon, who's a terrific partner. And at the same time, we've got arrivals of new entrants that are definitely, you know, very ambitious about using uh, some of our rights to, uh, to uh, enter the market in a positive way. But my focus is on delivering a really strong product to them. We are in the, I call it the authentic, unscripted storytelling business. And League One has done very little so far in terms of really positioning itself, marketing itself, communicate itself. Uh, and I believe that we've got really strong values to do that based on excellence, innovation, and with a clear positioning that could be the league of diversity, diversity of talent, diversity of cultures, diversity of identities, diversity of passions, etc. And I believe that that resonates very strongly with the broadcasters. But more importantly, and I think Javier was touching based on that, I think generally there's a very strong upside for the leagues to convert their own fans to media subscription. And I think, I wouldn't say we were lazy, but passive at best. And I believe there's a revenue upside there that if the leagues take that really seriously as a business with the strong knowledge of their fans, we can free up a lot of growth opportunity, whether it's at our benefit or at the benefit of broadcasters. So, I mean, currently the picture for the league media rights is that you've got games on Amazon, some games on Canal Plus, and then those are being shared with the zone. That's quite a traditional sales model, right? People have bought the rights and they've sold them on. Again, what you kind of talk through with those packages, that looks kind of similar to what it was before. What am I missing? What's different? How do you get from that position to being, as you said, in that position where you, you know those fans, going direct to consumer if you're in private negotiations now with those media companies? Well, we are together with Amazon right now in the direct to consumer. You know, while the competition now is blurry, you've got the zone distributing a Canal Plus League One channel. You've got Canal Plus distributing a DAZN channel. You've got, in other countries, DAZN being distributed by Amazon. So you understand how the competition is getting more and more blurry. And at the same time, competitors need to work out partnerships between themselves, which makes our sort of regulated process sort of complicated at the, at the very best or, or really obsolete, if you really wanted to be frank. So therefore now in private conversation, we can really you know, fine tune and, and have bespoke conversation about exactly what is possible. Co-exclusivity is definitely a key word there that could be interested for certain games, things that we cannot do in a regulated process. So that's quite exciting uh, because we can really fine tune, but we will do this obviously uh, with the interest of our, you know, the, the financial interest of our clubs, but also for the clarity of the consumers to understand exactly what am I subscribing to? Because if you're not clear as to what you're going to subscribe, you're not going to really maximize that output. A good example is the top 10 that we had with Amazon. Okay, what's the top 10? Am I buying my annual pass? How, much, how many times am I going to see the team that I want to see? So we need clarity so that people are sort of freer or more positive to make the, the subscription decision. 
And you think that's the kind of the number one thing that's holding back the French media market now in, in relation to Liga and Liga? Well, I think the last tender process was very complicated with a lot of packages and the readability was challenging. The fact that we had Amazon take on all those eight games helped clarify after that. And again, you know, if you're a subscriber of the past League One, you know, you just need two clicks on your phone and you get access to the live game, a third click and you can watch it from the start. It's so easy now. And that has been a fantastic experience. We've got that sort of direct relationship in partnership with Amazon with a lot of our fans now. You talked about the unique opportunity that this unregulated process or the, the, the new process that you're in right now. Uh, what are some of the kind of key negotiation points that you want to achieve out of that that you weren't able to before? Everyone wants sort of something different. That's not new. You try to be close enough so that people have to. The problem is the competition, again, is more and more blurry. So therefore, those sort of official regulated tender are really there when you had two big operators competing for those rights and hopefully more, and that would drive value. Things are really different now. It's all about how many subscribers can I gain? Who can I share that with? And that's very difficult to do that in a fully regulated process. And some of our big competitors, unfortunately for us, don't have to face that. We're the only league in France who are facing so fierce regulation. And now we are in a, in a position where we can actually have those bespoke private conversation involving a lot of interested parties. And uh, we, we hope to materialize very soon. I'm very aware that you're sort of in active negotiations at the moment. So there's a kind of a cap on what you can say. But what is the latest on this process? Where are we at? When could we potentially expect a, a deal to be announced? Yeah, well, we still have a few, uh, a few weeks away, um, but we are now very, you know, narrowing down exactly what people are seeking. And it's going to be down to sort of what are the financial values for what and who can coexist with who. And um, in, in terms of like those financial values and the, that, that pressure, you said, I mean, we looked at that on, on that slide in terms of the makeup of who's, who's, who are the stakeholders here. Um, what is CVC's role in all of this? Like, are they simply just someone that is a, an investor in this business or do they have a direct line to your uh, office, as it were? Yeah, and there's not one day that goes without me talking with them. Uh, I obviously know them from my previous role at Six Nation too. So we've got a very, very tight relationship. It's a real collegiate team effort. And it's full on 24-7. They've got investments right across sport. Six Nations, obviously, where you've, where you've come from is one of those. Is that experience actually like valuable, you think? To not just like LFP media, but within the sports industry to bring in that kind of expertise. So a, a league, I don't know, any of your competitors across Europe, if they were thinking about it, is this something that you think could be a value to those two? I mean, the, the market is, is moving so fast uh, that based on their investment, but also on their own expertise and capabilities, they've got access to so much information in a timely way that it's really helpful from that standpoint. So we're not leaving any sort of stone unturned, and we do that at pace. So yes, it's extremely helpful from that standpoint. And I mean, as you said, you've worked with them at Six Nations and previously at the NBA as well. What have you brought from that role into your sort of first nine months or so in, the, in this job with LFP Media? Well, First of all, when I joined, I, I know how difficult political reforms are. And I was very happy to see that those political reforms were done before me joining, whether at Six Nation I had to do them. And the political reforms, and you mentioned some of them, but uh, going down to 18 clubs is key. 
creating that commercial vehicle. But one that is maybe less known to others is we changed our revenue distribution, especially for international rights. So for international rights, the revenues derived by them are only shared by teams that play in European competition and based on the number of UEFA points they make. And therefore, for us, that is our way of really trying to provide more revenues to the top teams to perform better on the European stage and be motivated to do such because the value of a UEFA point might be greater than trading one of your best players between seasons when you make the Champions League. So I think these are showing how the clubs are ready for some of them not playing in European competition to sacrifice that revenue to create more value for the collective. And so the readiness of the clubs is a, a very strong base that I know I can work from. And then it's all about working on the brand, the brand, the brand, and build the profit from there. I mean, the League One has never been truly marketed and yet has so strong assets uh, and, and values that we can work from that will be very different from others. Very French in a way to do things differently. But uh, so I'm very, very happy. It's all about, to answer directly more your question, it's about managing the real high important short-term priorities, but building the long-term foundations. And, you know, it's one of those where it's like a Tour de France stage starting end of March, and I've got a massive climb right from the get-go. But once we get to the top with the leaders, then we'll be in good shape. Now, I'd like to come on to the, the long-term stuff in a, in a second, but before we do, I just wanted to clarify something with the revenue distribution. So the international revenue for the big clubs is now going to be retained by them with the idea that they will be able to keep their players in the league and therefore improve the overall strength. Is that the, the kind of overall well, thing? If, if basically the 70 million, which is a bit more than that, but uh, I'll leave that number to you, um, but uh, which we d we're doing with our, with our partner B in Sport, we've got a big opportunity to grow that revenue in the next cycle and we're working hard on that right now and really confident about it. But that revenue will only go to the European clubs because well, the, the clubs that play in European competition, because we believe collectively that this is where the value is made internationally, not domestically. The key to distribute that is UEFA points. Is there a risk with making that kind of move that you just make the big clubs stronger and the smaller clubs weaker and it gets harder to bridge? Well, we are, first of all, a very tight league. That's why the revenue distribution domestically is very different, obviously. But we believe that we need to have a strong head of clubs that compete well in European competition. We spend a lot of time each week to make sure our schedule protects the teams that play in, in European competition. PSG was playing tonight. Hopefully it will work tonight. Um, but they were playing Friday, not to, be, to have the full time. So all our schedule gives maximum time to prepare for, for European competition, which makes our scheduling uh, a real nightmare every week. But it's for the right reason, because we believe that we will bring value. The sporting performance will bring that added value to our product and vice versa. The marketing on the other side and the communication and the storytelling will create the value outside of the sporting side. I mean, I guess that's sort of like the nice thing about being new to a role is that you get to be able to think about things that, because I mean, that to me seems like a change that will have impact in five, 10 years time and not immediate. Correct. But that's why we've got a long-term goal. So, you know, our, you know, CVC is obviously keeps saying, you know, Ben, look at the long term. And at the same time, I obviously understand that the short term will create the right foundation and the right dynamic for us to arrive quicker to that end goal. 
Yeah, so uh, on that kind of that, that long-term vision, you talked about the brand, the brand, the brand. Where does French football, Liga, Liga, LFP, see itself within the like broader European ecosystem? It's a really interesting time, I think, for European football because you've got a, a brand new challenger in the Saudi Pro League that's creating a lot of attention, but you've also got these very well-established leagues that are still very much fighting for their place. Where, where does French f- football see itself in this kind of picture? Well... You know, if I was marketing myself today, I would say we're part of the big five. You're not five. marketing yourself today. No, you'll see. <laughs> uh, no, but in, in seriousness, you know, we're part of the big five with the fifth league. The truth is, I think there's we're fifth and the, there's a top four here that's ahead of us, especially when you look at the international rights where we are way behind, despite the fact that football and French football is at the top of the game, really. And that's a paradox that we need to address. So we see ourselves as, like any other market, like a real challenger brand. We need to do things differently. This is not about trying to mirror what others are doing and try to do that as quickly as we can to catch up. We need to do things radically different, and that's what you can expect for the months to come. Small initiative. Last week, we've launched our S1 top scorer with a little badge on Kylian Mbappe as the top scorer to create more storytelling. And there'll be more of that coming in terms of different new initiatives, innovations, so that we can sort of leapfrog rather than copy quicker. Mm -hmm. What is it that you think about French football that means you can get there, that you can do that leapfrogging? Like, for me, I don't really watch French football, I'll be completely honest. And one of the reasons is that I live in England, I watch the Premier League, my team happens to be doing pretty well at the moment. But like, we tend to, as I say we, as a Brighton fan, we've signed a couple of players out of the French League who've gone on to be stars. Is that it? Is it about create? Is you're saying we're the, we're the place where stars are born? Well, I think we need to retain talent, that's for sure. And we, you know, that is not going to be sort of an overnight thing, but the political reforms, uh, the growth in revenues that, we, that will come from that as well will help do that. But we are one of the t- toughest championship there is. All the international coaches... Uh, they've coached uh, across the globe and, and in the different European leagues will tell you that. We need them to be more vocal actually on that in terms of the level of play. So we believe we've got excellence, we believe we've got innovation and we believe we've got that sort of French way of doing things that could be quite disruptive, uh, constantly unsatisfied, meaning that that's what drives our innovation uh, as French people. So it's, it's really marketing football but in the French way. Well, Tom, I know we both like the sound of our own voices, but I'm not sure the same can be said of our audience. So let's give them some I hope brief. They do like the sound of our voices, <laughs> to be honest, true. at this point. If true. not, we're in trouble. <laughs> true, true, yeah. <laughs> Very true. But maybe we should give them some respite for a few minutes. And should we head out into the lion's den of the networking space as our delegates are winding down from the first day of content and get their hot take on Ben's session? Let's do it. Mr. Tom Bassam. I stand next to you at Networking Drinks. Delegates far and wide have a glass of wine or a glass of beer in their hand. But of course, the two hardworking men of the Sports Road podcast are still on the grind as we walk through doing our now infamous and cripplingly embarrassing grid walks through our events. Let's see if we can collar someone uh, who can tell us a little bit about their thoughts from Ben Morrell's session yeah. earlier today. Ooh. Now, out of the corner of my eye, let's start, let's start with a safe space. Yes. Let's start close to home. And let's start with Mr. Mike Long, Sports Pro's editorial director, who's also uh, enjoying a relaxing refreshment after his own session earlier today. Mike, I know you were enraptured by Tom's session earlier today. What were your main takeaways? 
Uh, Tom's moderating skills, of course, was uh, fantastic. Uh, well uh, navigated uh, in the auditorium. Uh, main takeaways. I always find it interesting when a very established uh, sports property still views themselves and talks about themselves as a challenger brand. He spoke about that as a fair bit. It probably says a fair bit about where French football is in the kind of hierarchy of European football leagues. It's not up there with certainly the Premier League and La Liga, probably the Bundesliga in terms of international appeal and, and things like that. So yeah, I found that interesting that that's obviously their mentality still after all these years. Tom certainly didn't ask one of the questions that I uh, put into the system, but um, just in terms of the, uh, the, the power of players as well. Uh, obviously, players do come and go, but I found it, always find it interesting. You know, they had their, had their messy moment and perhaps didn't capitalize on it. He's now gone to MLS. No more Neymar. They still have Mbappe, but what happens when he leaves, you know? So French football is an interesting situation. Obviously, the media rights situation is, is playing out as we speak. So, yeah, I thought it was an interesting, interesting chat. What did you make of it, George? As I said earlier in the show, I think that, as you said, the international split is certainly... A, you know, a challenging metric for, for LFP media. You talked about the Messi effect. You yourself did a session earlier today where you looked at the Messi effect in the MLS and how actually they've only lost. I think it's about 10% of the subscribers that you've at least attributed being gained directly through the, the Messi effect. What was your take there? Yeah, I think, again, it's a, uh, an interesting one, obviously, acquiring users and subscribers. And, you know, I, th I think Ben Morrell actually spoke about, you know, thinking about fans as, as media subscribers now. They say that's the mentality you have to have. But obviously acquiring them is different to keeping them. And so, yeah, it's a, an interesting one. I think over time, you know, who knows whether subscribers uh, and followers of MLS outlive Messi however long he stays. Probably not. I mean, fans are fickle. Uh, they will move on. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's the challenge every property faces, I guess. Well, Mike, I know you've had a long day with an early flight from Gatwick, so we'll leave you to enjoy uh, the networking break. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, cheers, guys. Thanks, Mike. Well, Tom, uh, we managed to collar another poor unsuspecting um, delegate. In front of us, we have Thomas Christensen. Thomas, thanks for taking the time out to speak with us. I know you were in uh, Ben's session earlier today. Was there anything that surprised you from what he said, you know, given it's a particularly challenging time for the LFP media amidst the media right cell? I think it was interesting to hear the focus on the leagues and the teams within it. I, I think there's a lot of focus on the players. When you look at the social media, it's more like the players taking over actually being the right soul itself and both Ben and also Javier was talking uh, before about the leagues and the teams and their rights. I think the players has a bigger influence than you might think. Social media. So he was saying they want to grow their own players, they're not so interested in bringing in the big international stars anymore. Do you think that would be a, a problem for, for League One and p potentially something that could impact like, the value of their rights going forward? I think it's obvious that it's that's an issue for them when, when Neymar and when Messi is leaving the league. It's like the value of the league is just decreasing. That's that's a fact, I guess. But I think it's also an interesting what he said, that, that you have to focus on other areas because you have five big leagues. So maybe you have to focus more on the talent area because that's their USP uh, within the French league. I know Ben spoke about using some of the investment from CVC Capital Partners to, to keep players in the league. And is it just a case of investment? How do you think someone like Liga and Liga can keep those global superstars in the league and really drive that value? Yeah, it's a balance, really, because you also don't want to put too many eggs in the, in the basket of the players. Uh, you also want to create a sustainable league where you don't have this system, as you see in America, for example, where you have people players earning a lot of money and then you have 
a lot of lower uh, earning uh, players. So I think it's a balance, and I think they're 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 going in the right direction. Um, speaking more about the young players, about the talent development, and the good things that the French league and the French football does itself. Yeah. Well, Thomas, thank you very much for your time. We'll leave you to enjoy the rest of your uh, your evening. Thank you. Thank you. Tomino, uh, I found one last person whose evening we will disrupt with more questions about today's session, but Minal Moda from Ampere Analysis, um, thanks for taking the time. I know you managed to catch Ben Morel's session earlier, and that actually came on the back of your own um, session looking at the data behind sports' biggest properties. Was there anything in that session that caught your eye, particularly on the back of some of the data you were sharing? I found it really interesting how they basically said that they had a traditional model and a traditional structure, but that's gone straight out the window once all the private conversations start. And in addition to that, the Canal Plus thing was really interesting because we're now in an age where pay TV platforms don't have to pay for rights themselves. Like if they can just get the rights from Jazone, why would they spend the big bucks themselves and still have the live sport on the platform? There's been quite a lot made of those conversations and how public they've been with the pay TV broadcasters. Do you think that's a challenge with LFP as a commercial property? Or do you think it's more indicative of a general disruption we're seeing in media rights sales, you know, Europe-wide? I think it's a more Europe-wide thing. And we've seen that with Serie A. Like, for the second cycle in a row, their rights have gone down. Well, we saw in um, our session earlier in the day, my colleague Jack was talking about how with La Liga, their rights have declined as a percentage of total TV revenue. So I think it's synonymous across Europe. So obviously LFB Media was set up with the sole aim of commercializing Liga and Liga more effectively. Is it, like, is it important for these kind of properties to set up these like very dedicated commercial entities in order to do that? So, like, have the, basically have the leagues kind of reached a point where they're no longer capable of properly commercializing themselves, do you think? I feel like they've done really well to get to where they have at the moment. I think there are maybe some leagues, you look at the Premier League, I don't think they'd ever go down that route because they've got a really tight sales team and they do very, very well every single cycle. Maybe Liga were looking at their previous results and thinking there's higher margin, like we need expertise from outside. And as Ben was saying, CVC, he worked with them at Six Nations, so he knew how they operated. So maybe there was a bit more safety in that because CVC are a bigger name. If it was maybe somebody smaller, they might have been a bit more cautious. It's a very good answer. So thank you very much. Minal, thank you very much for joining us. We'll leave you to the rest of your evening. Thank you very much. Well, Tom, I think that's probably enough delegates we've alienated for one day. Yeah. Um, we need to keep our friends close and our annoyed delegates even closer. <laughs> anyway, we're, we're walking past a tap full of cold Chris Campos. Should we help ourselves? Yeah, let's go for it, mate.